Yes, sir. What is going on, y'all? Yes, sir. What is going on, y'all? Happy Friday to everybody. And welcome to the Coach Cool Podcast for episode number 140, the culminating episode in the five-part series that we have been rocking out this week. And our guest to end this thing has been one of the biggest inspirations in my life, if not the biggest inspiration. And I say that because he was a walk-on wide receiver at Michigan State like myself. And he was there before me. He paved the way for cats like me who had big dreams to go on and achieve big stuff at bigger universities, not only to play, but to excel and kind of give us the blueprint for how to go about that, whether it was toughness or hard work or skill sets or whatever. And he embodies those things very much so. And not just when it comes to football, he's been there, he's done that, but he is doing that with his family now. He is doing that with his orthodontic practice right now. And this guy just keeps getting bigger and better as time progresses. And he goes by the name of Mr. Blair White. I know a lot of people out there know who he is. Uh, but again, looked up to him for a very long time. So excited to get him on the horn today. And I know he's going to bring that heat. So again, welcome to the Coach Cool Podcast. Happy Friday to everybody. Episode 140 with Mr. Blair White. Let's get it going, y'all. All right, y'all. What is going on? Um, happy Friday to everybody and welcome to the Coach Coop Podcast, Coop's Corner. Whether you're listening or watching, welcome to the show and really excited to have you guys on for this fifth day, final day of this five-question format that I've been rocking out. And these first four guests have been fantastic and I know today is going to culminate um, in some great stuff as well. And the man that is joining us for today's conversation, um, you know, I think you guys know my story a little bit by now, walked on at Michigan State, done all these different things. And I can firmly say that the influence and the impact that this dude had on me is what inspired me to kind of take that step. It wasn't the whole piece of the pie, um, but it was a vast majority of it. So I um, looked up to him for a while, not just because of his football playing ability, but I think of his approach and how he operates. Um, so really excited to get him on the horn. He's been on before, actually, so we're going to run it back a little bit. But uh, it is an absolute privilege today to welcome Mr. Blair White to the Coach Boo Podcast. So, Blair, thank you, man. Welcome to the show. And uh, excited to get this going, dude. Tony, you're doing great things, man. It's always fun to be on. Thanks for uh, reaching out again. No doubt, man. No doubt. And real quick, I know people heard a little bit um, in the intro about you and what you got going on. But from the horse's mouth from you, um, if you can just say who you are, where you're from, what you got going on right now, give us a little foundation this conversation. Let's start there, and then we'll let it rip. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just a little small town dude from uh, um, the crotch of Michigan, they call it. So if you put the hand up, kind of right in this area, Saginaw, I know you're familiar, John, and uh, most of your listeners probably are as well. But um, went to high school here in Saginaw, and I'm back in Saginaw. But uh, played at Michigan State five years, walked on um, five years, uh, including a redshirt year, and then went on two years to play with the Indianapolis Colts. Straight on after some back issues to dental school, yep, from the gridiron to the to the lovely <laughs> mouth, and, and uh, went two years for an orthodontic residency, so braces, Invisalign, that type of thing, and that's that's what I've been doing for the past two years up in Saginaw. I bought a practice, got four young kids, wife, and uh, things are moving along. Got rocking it out, man. Got a squad up there, four kids and a <laughs> wife. I see you, man. I see you. I'm hoping that'll be me one day, but I'm certainly enjoying uh, what that isn't, I guess, right now. So Enjoy no, it while you can. <laughs> that's what I figured. I can hear him a little bit in the back. I interviewed my high school athletic director last night, and the kids kept popping in the screen. I'm like, I love it. That's so cool. Uh, um, you, might get some of that. you might get some of that. I love screen. it. I'm with it. Bring them all in there. Let's get it. Let's get it. Um, no, but that's a perfect start, dude. Thank you for that. And we're going to hop right into these questions. And question one is this, Blair. Um, talking about formative times in your life, okay? So when we think back to everything you've experienced, you've seen, you've done, um, which is a, a pretty healthy amount of things, athletically, academically, professionally, family, all that stuff. You know, if you can kind of dumb things down into one, maybe two situations that have been extremely formative, if not the most formative time or times in your life, um, for you, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, you know, th there are a couple of times, I think, specifically where um, – I've get garnered the most from, from my experiences. The most recent, um, probably in late twenties, 28 to 30 ish, just when I've started entering this, this, um, phase of reading and learning and just being curious about things. The last time I was on, I talked about, um, innovative leaders scoring high in curiosity. So 
for whatever reason, that's a couple of books kind of propelled me and I've been down that path. And I feel like the amount of growth in those last two years is just been exponential compared to previously in my life. So, um, easy to say now, yeah. you know, but certainly football and athletics, a big part of my life as well, playing with the Colts and seeing how, uh, Peyton Manning, you know, everyone's interested in Peyton and how he does things. No so th those were some great examples um, uh, of how to lead, how to live, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, I had in 2000, I think it was 11, 10 or 11, um, doesn't matter, but I had ha been having some back pain for, right. for a while and, you know, I had two surgeries at Michigan State. And so it was kind of one of those chronic pain type of things where you just manage it yep. it's symptomatic uh you know pain um alleviate it when you can and just get some treatment so you know i made i think it was uh probably the first couple of weeks i was with the colts uh, and i was going in early to get some treatment and you know i was thinking man this is great i'm gonna wake up early if it can be 5 30 i'm gonna get into the training room at six i'm gonna be the first one there <laughs> yeah it's gonna be you know i'm gonna start it out on the right foot every day because you know when you're when you're hurt or you got some ailments or some nagging injuries they preach the training room you know if if you're hurt you're in the training room if you're not if you're not in the training room then we're gonna take it as if you're healthy so uh, i i show up in the parking lot 5 45 a.m and uh I'm walking in and there's a few cars there, you know, the trainers and things of that nature. And I, and I walk in, I'm like, perfect. You know, I'm the first one here. I'm making a good name for myself. And I, I walk into the locker room, turn the corner and sure enough at number 18 locker, Peyton's already there. You know, it looks like he looks, looks like he's been there for two hours already doing it. his thing. So just a great example of how to do things right. And, um, you know, set the bar high for, for those coming in. And, and before that, the first day I had been there, the very first day I, I walk in and, and he makes it a point to, and I think he does this for everyone. Cause I've heard similar stories, yeah. but he walks up, shakes the hand, introduces himself. And, uh, it really, it really is, uh, makes you feel good. Gives you a good example how, about how to do things. Yeah, that's perfect. And Benny Fowler actually said the same thing when he played with him in Denver, he's like, I walk in starstruck eyes, big, like, Holy hell, there's Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, and he's walking over to me, shakes my hand, introduced himself. He's like, man, you don't have to introduce, <laughs> introduce yourself to me. I know who you are, man, whatever. Right. Um, but no, straight up, that, that, that's the game. That is what it is in terms of that stuff. Now, I think it's a phenomenal point you just made where you said 28, 30, whatever. You started reading a little bit. And I'm a big reader now, but I, just as I anticipate what you kind of made it sound like, you haven't always been that. I wasn't always that. Um, and there was a few things that kind of happened for me where kind of it, it snapped me into that mode where I got more curious. I wanted to read. I didn't want to go out anymore. I wanted to stay home Friday night and just read a whole book in one go. So for you, when did that light kind of turn on when it was like, okay, it's kind of time to get back into stuff, start studying again, learning more, whatever. Was it kind of an aha moment or was it kind of progressive? Why did you kind of get back into that? Yeah, you know, it started in my orthodontic residency when I was probably, what, three years ago, uh, three, four years ago, and it was a podcast called The Investor's Podcast. I remember the the exact name of it, and they talked about investing, and, you know, that's something that I'm interested in, and so it just kind of struck a chord, and then, like you said, one thing leads to the next, and you kind of rabbit hole some things, and I, I read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, and then that just... Um, led into some more things. So I, I don't know what it was. It, I don't know, you know, I, I've discussed this type of thing with other people um, who are close to me, who are ambitious in my life. And they kind of think the same thing. I don't know if it's, if it's the kids, the house, um, mm. just that point in the late twenties, thirties, where you're like, man, it's just clicks now. Yeah. Um, but I, it seems like things just kind of snowballed, if you will, absolutely. Uh, to use a Warren Buffett term. And, and, it, and it hasn't stopped, you know, the snowball's getting bigger and bigger. So uh, I'm like you. So, you know, I think fools, and, I, and I'm a fool myself, fools learn from experience, but I prefer to learn through the experience of others. So that's what reading is for me, you know? Got it. Got it. No, 1,000%. No, um, and I feel you on that, right? Cause I, I'm getting married this summer and, 
you know, you just mentioned investing where before it's just been me or just been me and her. So money, it's been fantastic. It's been good. But now it's like, okay, I got to buy a house. Can I have a family? Whatever. What can I do with my money? So that's kind of what pushed me in that direction or whatever. So I always think there's going to be something consciously, subconsciously, whatever, that's going to push you in these different directions if you're seeking that stuff out. So I love that. That's perfect. Now, um, great, great place to start. Now, question two, talking about advice here. Okay. So again, you've experienced a lot, done a lot. Um, you know, maybe it was your parents, maybe it was coaches, maybe it was something that you read or listened to in a podcast, whatever. When you think about the best advice in some sort of capacity that you have ever received, what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah. You know, there's so many good pieces of advice. Um, I'll tell you what, the best piece of advice that I never received, or I feel like I didn't ever receive was to read, just read. More. Okay. And, I, and I hated it growing up. But uh, yeah. again, like you said, I wish I had gotten into it, into it sooner. But in, in college at Michigan State, you know, as I walked on, I was going up against some of the best athletes in the, in the Big Ten, certainly some even in the country. Yep. And I was just a, a grind guy. You know, I didn't open my mouth a whole lot. I didn't question things a whole lot. I just showed up, did my thing. You know, I think you had Trey on here uh, Monday, and he said a, something similar to that. And so that's kind of what I did. I don't know if that's – you know, that I think that propelled me in some of my success, but I don't know if that's the way I would do it now. I would hmm. – probably question things a little bit more, but it's a fine line because as a walk on, you know, you say the wrong thing to, to the wrong coach on the wrong day and, you know, you might be out of a, out of a job. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think, you know, coach D'Antonio and a lot of the uh, assistant coaches quoted uh, George Perlis and one of the, the, that quote by him was work hard, keep your mouth shut and good things will happen. So, I always use that through Michigan State. I don't know if I live by that advice now, but I think yeah. as long as you're, you have people who are putting you in the right situation and you know that's the right situation where you're not going to have to pivot and change plans and, and uh, reorient, then that's fine. But, you know, if you're miserable and you feel like you want to just push through because that's what you're supposed to do, that might not be the best advice. Yep. No, I love that. I love that. And I touched on that a few weeks ago, actually, where I was just on here rambling myself, but I was talking about leading and following and how I think it's really important to be a conscious follower. And what I mean is not just put your head down and work and go. And of course, that, 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 that can pay off in the long run. It's all good, but just be a yes, sir, yes, man type of cat, which again, it has its place 100%. I was that. I've been there. I've done that. But I think there's also an incredible benefit to being conscious in that approach too. Say yes, sir, yeah, yes, yes, man. I'm not saying question them on everything that they do, but maybe put yourself in their shoes. Why are they having me do this? Is this how I would do it if I was in their shoes? Is this beneficial? Is it not? So then maybe one day when you get into that role, you can be more empathetic to the people that you are leading. So maybe you can go about it in a different way or whatnot. And the effort has to be there. The grind has to be there. But also I think the consciousness has to be there as well. And I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten better. For whatever reason, I've always kind of ticked like that, high school, whatever. How is it making me feel? Not because like, oh, what was like, no, it's just like, why are they doing this? Is it right? right? Is it wrong? Whatever. So I feel like 10, 15 years of coach, quote unquote, coaching experience or teaching, whatever I've already had because I purposely put myself in their shoes when I wasn't in their shoes as a player. So now it's paying off you know, I, I can kind of see it paying off. So I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe that's maybe more so about what people can do now than I think maybe the old adage is just say yeah and just keep it like, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but what, what, what's kind of your opinion there? Yeah, for, for, I think young kids who are kind of in school or they're starting out uh, with, let's say for us, it's football. So their first year of football, then yeah, it makes sense. You know, you grind your ass off and you, you don't ask too many questions. You just create a roadmap and you go. But someone, um, a young professional who's trying to figure out what they want to do or if they have a little bit of dissatisfaction with the job, you got to find the match quality, which is simply the degree of fit um, that, you're, that, that you find is going to work for you. So, mm. it, and if, if you're not matching with what you're doing, then you got to pivot. You got to change. Yep, yep. Yep. 100%. 100%. That's just come down to self-awareness. But I think you also brought up a phenomenal point too, is I think maybe the foundation initially following is you have to be a grinder. You have to, because I think the hard work aspect is always going to be the foundational element that will take you wherever you want to go. Right. You can obviously add the why and things along the way, 
But I think when it comes to different professions, no matter what it is for the vast majority of them, is the blueprint to success is there. It's not easy, but it's simple. And the people that work the hardest and persevere through the most will be the people who succeed in the end. And all that is, is hard work initially establishing that first and foremost to give yourself that opportunity to actually do this stuff and stuff down the line. So, um, I yeah, that's, I yeah, know. no, that, that, that's, that's right along the lines of yeah. what we're talking. That's, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Going down rabbit holes. I warned you before we started, here we go. All right. We're rocking now, baby. Um, all right, Blair, question three, man. And I said it every day this week. This is probably my favorite question I've been asking people um, talking about their why. Big picture, macro vision, life's goals, whatever you want to kind of classify that is. When your why is big enough, in my opinion, no matter what is put in front of you, you're going to find a way around, over the top, underneath, through, whatever, if that why is strong enough and built on the right things. So when it comes to your why, could be a couple, could be one, whatever, um, what is kind of the most important why in your life right now? And why is that your why? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to try to take a 10,000 foot view here, um, okay. but it's, it's it. tricky because almost, it's almost like every why leads to another why. And, and ultimately there has okay. to be, you know, a guiding principle or philosophy in life. But, you know, I think I mentioned it last time I was on, but uh, a TED talk by Robert Waldinger from 2015 about, happiness in life and they did this the longest study that's ever been done over 75 years and they didn't just send questionnaires out they they interviewed people in their homes they um uh, talked to family members they scanned their brain mris type of thing so this is a pretty in-depth study and what their main finding was was the people who are the most happy and these are 80 90 year olds um people who have been around for a while is the quality of the relationships period. Mm. So it's the social connection. It's keeping those, those connections healthy and, and those have, that has implications on the brain, you know, the body overall health. So I think ultimately that's my why. Love it. I think before that you have to figure out, okay, well, how, like, what do I, what am I doing? Like, why am I, um, why, why am I an orthodontist then? Like, what is the, how is that helping me accomplish my why? And I think another kind of sub why, if you will, is creating value for people. I, I think that's, that's some one thing that, that brings me happiness that, and, and the way it brings me happiness is by establishing connections with people through the value that we create. Mm. Uh, however that may be, whether that's creating a, a smile for somebody who never showed their teeth, when uh, they were smiling in the past or, or something a little bit more broad, I guess, but certainly wife, kids, uh, family members, I find myself consumed a lot by thoughts running through my head work. I know you're the same way. And when I sit down to meditate, these things are just bubbles just popping up and I can't seem to just let them dissolve because it's to do, what do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? Instead of just being present. So I think the, that that's kind of my why is, is making sure my relationships are, are strong and I'm being present in the moment. So it's very difficult and I'm still struggling with it, yeah. but um, it's something to, to strive towards. And I'm, I think I'm getting better. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. That's perfect. And I'm very much, a big struggler when it comes to being in the moment because I am always looking forward and not just to tomorrow, but to when I'm 75, like, what do I yeah. want things to look like? And I have to consistently remind myself that I'm not going to achieve that tomorrow. I'm also not going to be able to get to that tomorrow, but with the understanding of being present in the moment will allow me to be what I want to be, not just keeping my focus or my eyes on that prize it's, a, it's, it's, it's important to look down the road, but I think you still have to keep your eyes on the road for the vast majority of what you're doing with that vision in mind. So um, I, I haven't gotten big. I, I'm a, I, I pray a lot. I, I, you know, I'm not full my, it's just, I, that, that's kind of where I go to to stay yeah. present in the moment. Um, I've Absolutely. dipped my toes in meditating. I, I haven't given it a great chance. You know, it's not like, oh, I don't, I just, I just haven't. Um, yeah. I focused on breathing big time. Um, I'll go sit in the sauna, but quite literally last time we talked is when you talked about your sauna experience. And ever since then, that's been a game changer for me nice. kind of in the middle of the day, um, you know, kind of things along those lines. So those, so those are the kind of the things that help me stay present in the moment, whatever. 
um, as best I can. What are some other things for you that you kind of know a, a bunch of people out there listen tick like this too. So like in terms of a tactic or a habit or something, how do you try to help yourself stay in the moment with these different things? Yeah. Well, actually, John, one of the things that you introduced me to, I don't know, maybe it was about a month ago. Um, after I posted that video of myself in the cold tub, yep. it, the MindStrong project, Harvey yep. Martin, who does that. And he uh, is real, a big proponent of breathing. And, and I just have never um, experimented with it. I haven't understood the capacity for its power, uh, but I'm getting into that more and more. And, okay. and thank you for that because yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's something that, that can dude's be incredible. incredible. That dude's incredible. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm not even, you know, one one hundredth of into the content that he's created, but I know there's there's some good quality scientifically, you know, some empirical data out there that he provides, and uh, I'm really excited to get into it. So, so breathing, just you know, aside from uh, from that, and you and you said you pray, and and that's a form of meditation. So it's not yeah, a whole lot true. different. That's true. Um, but 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 that type of thing, and, and and again, the breathing, breathing from the stomach, nasal breathing. I mean, you've heard him talk about it. So those are kind of the first steps, and I'm learning more and more. But do you find when you're praying or when you're taking a moment, do those thoughts creep into you? I found before I had kids and this practice, I was kind of just I could chill, but but now things are going. But but help help me. Do you have those thoughts? Does that happen to you where you're just like, man, I got to write that down or I'm going to forget. I'm laying in bed. It's 6 a.m. I want to sleep another half hour, but. 100% dude. Okay. And yeah. I'll wake up at like 4 a.m. And it's like, I, I'm thinking this. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing right now? Or yeah. I'll be sitting down and I'm praying. I try to read the Bible. That's kind of like my quiet time. And I'll be reading a verse and I get through with one page. I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what I just read because I'm thinking about something completely different that has nothing to do with this. So it reminds me of how I have to practice even more to be in the moment, whatever. Um, and I'm still trying to tame that wild beast, man. It's like, how can I tap into that? And I'm yeah. noxiously obsessed with trying to figure that out for myself. I think I've done a good job of researching. I haven't been doing a good job of actually applying it because I'm, I'm a doer. I, I like acting. So like sometimes I don't give myself enough opportunity to sit down and actually go over these things and actually apply them, whatever. I'm a doer, but yep. Um, no, dude. <laughs> yeah, no. I was doing advice about how to tame that stuff. I'm trying. I'm going, and I am most certainly not there yet, though. So I am completely with you. Um, I have gotten better. It's not like I'm in the same place I was six months ago, but in terms of how further or how much I still have to go, that's a pretty significant road as well. So, um, yeah. But yeah, man. But I, I think even the perspective of just understanding that we have to be better. Like we just have to in terms of happiness and contentment. And I think contentment sometimes gets a bad rap, like contentment, not in the sense of, I don't want to better myself, but just in terms of like, I'm okay. I'm good. Like it's okay to not like almost complacent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. That, that's a way, but that's a way better. Yeah. Way, way, way better way to put it. But um, well, you know, yeah. talking about yourself being a doer, it's, it reminds me of uh, a classic Einstein quote. And he says, you know, we love reading, but reading too much and using your brain too little can create habits mm. of lazy thinking or some, something along those lines. But at some point, we have to sit down and implement what we know, or what, what has changed and be, be, you know, diligent about doing that. Because if it's kind of like playing in a football game or um, let's see, for me, it would be when my, you know, one of my, my four-year-old throws a, a Frisbee across the room into the wall and it creates a dent, like that emotional reaction, that trigger, you just, you resort, you resort to your, to your old ways. And so being disciplined about implementing those changes and what you know needs to change. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to do that. It is. It is. And I think you brought up a good point too, with the reading where, when I first got into reading, I was consuming so much, but I wasn't applying as much. So I would read because I, I was at the single at this time. I had all the time in the world. So I would read, but I wouldn't apply. And it finally hit me like I'm accumulating all this knowledge. And subconsciously, I think it was making me feel like I was actually doing something about it because I was almost living vicariously through the words like I'm feeling good about myself because I'm consuming, but I'm not actually doing anything with it. Like I'm learning new skills, whatever, but then I'm not going out into like it's almost like counterproductive. Like the knowledge was almost crippling totally. because I was living vicariously through learning about Einstein doing these crazy things or, you know, Jordan Peter, like whatever. And I'm yep. it, like, like, no dude, like 
instead of reading for four hours, read for 45 and then use the three hours and 15 minutes to actually go do what you're learning about and then fail like they're failing. So then they learn, then you can write about it one day or you can make progress, whatever. So um, yep. I'm finally yep. getting there. I'm finally yeah. getting, it's like read, learn, but then dude, you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. Gotta go. And a, another form of that might be, and I've seen people do this. I haven't done it yet, but instead of having a goal to read 15 new books this year or 50 or wh- however many you want to do, make a, make a point to reread what you've read in the past. And that way it'll give you a mm. chance to kind of assimilate that information again and create a plan and be more uh, diligent about implementing it. You know, that's dope. I love that. Yeah. Cause it was almost like a scoreboard. Like, yeah, I've read 20 books. Well, John, you're not doing shit with any of it. Like so cool. It, Good on you. Yep. Your bookshelf looks sexy. Phenomenal. But like, it doesn't mean anything because you're not doing anything with it. So what are we doing here? Maybe read three, then hone yep. in on those three, and then you're going to be in a way better spot. Yeah, I, I totally get yep. it. Yep, absolutely. <sighs> Blair, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, dog. I'm with you. Okay. I, I need to hang up and go do something now. Holy hell. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. Um, I love it. Perfect. Now, question four, okay? People are talking about Blair White. And if you could pick one word, one expression, noun, adjective, something along those lines – that where you're at in your life right now that you can kind of envision yourself being associated with forever. Again, a word and expression, what have you, what would that word or expression be um, for you at least at this point in time in your life? It's so tough, you know, thinking of, of one word or, t- or term. Um, Tim Ferriss asked a version of this question. He says, what, what would you want on a billboard if it, it, the billboard was about you, a phrase or a word? So it's, it's the same type of thinking, but um, <clears throat> I think maybe something along like optimize. Maybe mm. I think, you know, I finished the the docu series on Bill Gates called Inside Bill's Brain. I think it's called. Yeah, and, that was and good. He, yeah. I kind of stole. So I stole it from him. You know, he says optimization and he, trying to use the resources that we have to help myself and help those around me, uh, and make a, as big a difference as possible. So that's that's kind of what I would say now. If you ask my wife on a bad day, she, she'll tell you it, it's neuroticism. Okay. You know, if, if you're taking a more optimistic view, it might be discipline. So I just tend to be at times and almost to a fault, maybe too fanatical about the things I believe in. Um, some call it discipline, some call it neurotic, but either way, I think that's a staple of kind of who I am. And, and I try to, you know, use the energy that it creates for good instead of just being so stubborn and closed minded. So it's, it's a fine line, but, but uh, let, yeah, let's, let's stick with optimize and asterisk Bill Gates on that one. I got you. No, that's perfect. And I think I really learned the value personally, just to give my two cents on that of optimization versus maximization. Cause I think optimization is all encompassing, right? So if you want to think about zero to 100 scale, maybe, you know, 70% A, 20% B, 10% C looks great for me, but maybe you're a 40, 60 or 40, 50, 10 guy. And that's better for you in your life. That to me, that's optimizing where, you know, I used to think, and I, I learned this when I walked out of Michigan state where I thought maximizing myself in the weight room and conditioning session, all the different things like winning everything, lifting, whatever. I was maximizing myself in that realm, but the skill set of actually playing a football game or being a wide receiver was lacking because I was putting so much time into maximizing these different things that where I would have been best served optimizing myself personally was lacking in maybe the skill set that would allow me to play a little bit more. Okay. So maybe other people, their skill set is incredible. They don't have to work on that, but they weigh a hundred pounds and they need to get better. And so optimizing themselves there would look better for them. So for me, optimization exactly right has to be because maximization in a certain skill set or a certain realm it can only get you so far it has to you have to identify what works and operates best for you and then identify those pillars and what that is and then optimize it accordingly and that I think that's going to be a lifelong game it's always going to be ebbing and flowing which is fantastic because you always have something to work on but if you just stay in one silo or one pillar keep your blinders on always in one realm it could be good for you, but I don't think it's going to bring the best out of you, if you will. So I don't know if you kind of feel me on that, but that's kind Absolutely. of where I, I, that, I've gone. That I, yeah, that optimization versus maximization thing fits well, I think, within my mental constructs. I'm able to see exactly what you mean there. And it's almost like, you know, taking some resources from one thing and, and putting them in another area to optimize that. Instead, instead of just being 
like I said, neurotic and going, oh, how can I get my 20 yard short shuttle down to yeah. four points flat, you know, four flat seconds. Yeah. Like, well, maybe we utilize some of those resources elsewhere. We optimize elsewhere instead of maximizing the short shuttle. Is that kind of what, is that what I'm, what I'm understanding? 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And it's almost like, and, and not that in and of itself, it was bad that I was doing that in that approach, but I wasn't mature enough or self-aware enough to one, I think, keep it real with myself where I had to be better to put myself in the situation I had. So like maybe certain situations called for me to maximize myself in that regard. Cause I needed to gain weight, get faster, all good, but life's a game, whether it comes to your, your family life to me is a game. Your job is a game. And maybe optimizing yourself in these different sections of it is going to look different. So you have to kind of ebb and flow with those different things. And I wasn't self-aware enough or mature enough or whatever you want to call that to yeah. identify what would have put me in the best position. So maybe instead of being 90% weight room, 10% skill set, I should have been at 30, 70. And I was still reaching that quote unquote 100%. But the way I reached it would have put me in a better spot. That, I yeah. think that's more so what I'm kind of getting at with that. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. And that kind of relates to what we, connects to what we talked about earlier as far as just working your ass off. Well, if you've got someone telling you what to do and you're just not, you're not using your brain to, to question and, and think about what's going on, then maybe you can't even optimize for yourself yeah. because you don't know where to optimize. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. 100%. And that just comes down to the self-awareness piece and thinking for yourself. And I think when you're younger, again, you don't have the self-awareness, the maturity to identify that. But as you get older, you should, in my opinion, know yourself best where you have to get better. So even if Blair White tells John Jakubic, hey, Jay, you need to get better here, but you don't have all the context of my life and I know myself best and maybe you're sort of right, but maybe not fully. That's, you know, I, I respect you. I appreciate you. I trust you. But at the end of the day, I think it falls back. The onus has to fall on you to know yourself well enough to identify where you have to optimize yourself first and foremost. Appreciate those outside perspectives, but um, know who you are first and foremost. So you kind of know where to go with the different stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's even like mom and dad coming out. Like my mom is like, John, you got it. You know, whatever. I'm like, mom, love you. Not where I need to be doing or going. Right. Now. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, it's just one of those yeah. things like coach respect you, but like, whatever you know it, it's just one of those things so yep. Um, yep. love you mom love you mom. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um but yeah man no that's perfect that's perfect then um fifth and final question i want to kind of relate it back to what's going on right now with uh coronavirus covid pandemic all these different things um that are kind of popping off and that is very much reality right now and you know i, I want you to float your own boat for a second and if you can kind of share one thing that you've been really proud about, whether it's yourself, your family or whatever, where you've taken the situation, you take the, to, to, kind of taken the reality of what's going on, identified it as such, accepted it, but are still doing things. Maybe it's establishing new habits or more family time or whatever that have kind of propelled you or you guys in the right direction, even though a lot of the things we thought were controllable are not taken away and a new reality is in place, whatever. So like, what is one thing that you have done that you have found productivity or efficiently or efficiency or things along those lines right now? And to kind of couple that, if you have any advice to give to the masses in regards to maybe how to go about that or what they can be doing right now, um, I would very much appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think of a couple of things um, related, related to that. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but being present. Okay. So all worry is, is the function of two things something that's happened in the past or something you're, you're worried about for the future, right? That's where all anxiety stems from. So if you can be present in the present moment and be, you know, if you're, if it's with your family, your kids, for me, that's what it's been. You know, I've had a chance to be, it, being a father is probably the ultimate responsibility in life, right? You, you are, it's up to you to create another human being in this world. And every time we look at someone and say, you know, unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this, we judge them. And we say, you know, did they have the right parenting? Looks like, I don't know if they did. Well, now we have the opportunity to, mm. to be present with our kids, to, to all those wonderful, you know, I get this daily dad newsletter and it's got fantastic advice, but like we talked about, it only works so well if you're present and implementing it. So that's one thing there, try to be more present. And then Love it surrounding myself and just incorporating maybe short calls with people who are, who are like-minded, like you and I, like doing mm. this call, you know, 
it takes from the resources, but I say, well, if this is someone that's going to help, help trigger good habits in myself and in the snowball, if you will, then I'm going to, I'm going to keep those calls alive. And I think when I find myself slipping down that cliff a little bit, you know, you take a step and, and your foot and you go, Oh, I need, I need to rescue. Well then maybe that's when you, when you schedule the call or you pull up that resource. A good one for me is I love the book unconditional parenting and it's kind okay. of that, um, stereotypical millennial parenting where it's okay. connect and, and love your children's like a, like another relationship with a peer as opposed to just um, disip complete discipline and punishment. Right. But whenever I'm going down, you know, when, it, when one of the kids is, my patience is low, I, I put on the audio book and just get a couple paragraphs of it. And I'm like, man, like, come on. All right. Zone it back in. Got so it. sometimes when I do that, I'm not always mindful enough to do that. And, and it leads to raising voices and, and saying, you know, you're not going here if you don't do this and just things that, you know, wouldn't make sense if you're looking at it from a 10,000 feet perspective. So yeah. 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 Keeping those short, so those calls, those zoom calls, whatever they may yeah. be with people that are like-minded or, you know, that are going to push you and then revisiting those resources in times of stress or, or even before the stress sets in. Those are things that I think have been huge for me. Uh, maintaining a daily routine has been very, has been critical as well. What, what about you, John? What, what have you done? What, what have you seen works for you? I, I've really tried to step on the gas pedal with things like this. So for example, when things are normal with job, I work six to 3 PM every day. Fantastic. So that's dedicated to work. That's where it is. I come home you know, fiance, dog, dinner, these different things where whatever. So in terms of my effort levels with this or time that I can kind of put towards the podcast or YouTube or whatever, these types of conversations, um, just due to quite literally time, um, it is what it is, but now I have a lot more time on my hands. So, um, I really enjoy this stuff for me personally. I would love to maybe see this be what I can do full time one day, or maybe it's developing a course or teach one day or whatever. And I think it would be shame on me to have that goal or dream or aspiration and expect anything of that even remote capacity to happen if I don't take advantage of this time right now. So for me, I kind of, and again, I was kind of proud of myself for this when all this went down, work hours got limited, what have you. I kind of sat down and put some goals in place. Okay, what do I want to accomplish this week? What do I want to accomplish each day? How many hours do I want to put into this? And I think putting a plan in place like that, kind of like the where you were just talking about, whereas if I had that stuff in mind, but didn't necessarily plan it out accordingly, now I can give or take with that plan a little bit. But just the mere fact of taking the time to plan um, has really leapfrogged yep. me with this stuff, whether it's conversations like this, I did a new format with the podcast this week, there's different ideas where I think I'm putting a lot of my effort, not, not I think, I know I'm putting a lot of my effort towards that right now. And it feels good. It feels good to kind of set that goal, that standard, whatever, and kind of work towards that by putting, putting the right planning in place. Um, so that's been really big for me. And I think too, I've really tried to dive deep into my faith. I just have. And I think when your world gets shaken up as significantly as it is for the world right now, um, that's kind of my foundation. That's what I always fall back on. And it's never, um, it hasn't failed me yet. And I don't anticipate it failing me as I move forward. So I think those two things right there, spending time with the dog and fiance has been fantastic too. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I, yeah. it, it's not sitting around and, and, and crying about what isn't it's identifying what it is and how can you be best in the situation. And I've always been really big on that and I preach it on here. So who would I be if I always talk about it? I don't implement it. So I've been kind of proud of myself for um, kind of putting the ball back in my own court a little bit and, and making progress in these different realms. So. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking about uh, putting things back in court, I, a short little story, yep. you know, yep. as former athletes, we always like to collect the memorabilia, like, uh, you know, things that maybe Michigan State had posted on their walls or, or a football helmet from the Colts or something like that for myself. And, um, you know, every so often these teams redesign their, their entrance ways, entrance ways and their hallways and their walls of fame and things of that nature. So they take down the old stuff, order new stuff, you know, it's recruiting mostly. Um, and so I get a call one day and it's, um, and, and on the other line, he says, you know, Michigan state is, is getting rid of 
of all of their current photos on the wall. And some of these photos are really nice. You know, we're talking like four feet by five feet type of almost mural type of things. And, um, and the person on the line says, they're getting rid of yours. Do you, I, I have it with me and I'll keep it for you as long as you, you need me to. But I, I felt bad just seeing it go to waste because I didn't know what they were going to do with it or et cetera. And uh, so that person happened to be you, John. And so I think that's what kind of <laughs> kindled our relationship or, or, or initiated our relationship. You know, we had talked in the past, but that was something that was really cool, really inspiring for me and really generous of you. So I, I didn't tell it on the, fir the first time I was on the podcast and I forgot <laughs> to mention it in my intro. So I wanted to say it, but uh, I really appreciated that. And, and it sits, uh, it sits in our office now. So great. That's fantastic, man. I appreciate it. No doubt, dude. And I, you know what? I, I don't necessarily believe in idols. I, I think I, I may have coined you as that yesterday in the podcast when I was saying you're going to come on. Um, I think idol tree, there, there's no place for that. I think that just kind of comes with my faith, but yeah, sure. I very much believe in, you have to have people to look up to. You have to have people to aspire to be, not to be them, but to be like them in some capacity. And that can look different. That can be your parents. That can be, it can be anybody. But I think that's part of, you know, maybe instilling some hope in your life, you know, mm -hmm. whether it is people from your similar situation who have gone on to do cool things and, you know, you, you've recognized that it's been done before. So maybe you can do it too. They've showed that it's, it, it is possible, whatever. So looking up to people, um, looking forward to certain things that they've done, I think is really important. And to me, I, I can vividly remember when they were doing all that stuff and it was just sitting in a pile and I'm like, dude, like that was my guy. Like, that's like, like, see, like it was almost like selfishly, like, I don't, it was like seeing, yeah. like seeing my high school dude, like yeah. in the pile yeah, right. in the corner. I'm like, what the, f what are these dudes do? They're yeah. throwing him away. Like, why wouldn't they met? Like, like I like legitimately got upset. I'm like, what the heck are we doing here? So that means a lot, and I was like, I found your number or something. And I'm like, <laughs> and of course you're like, you know, I can't get to it or drop it off. It never worked out. Yeah. And that thing sat in my basement for like two years. Yes. It was in my basement on the wall. And like, I remember every, you know, my mom puts up stuff of memorabilia of us, of my two brothers and myself. And it was always like Catholic central stuff, Michigan state stuff. And then there's like this obnoxiously big picture <laughs> of this random guy that, like, and everyone's like, who is that? I'm like, who, who is that? What do you mean? Who is that? It's Blair, Blair White. White. What are you talking about? The fame at the uh, Jakubic house. Yeah, so. man. Like, you know, I, whatever. I think it's the spot is still empty. I'm, I think it's still, <laughs> it's still vacant, dude. So, uh, um, well, no, thanks. Like, yeah, that meant yeah, a lot, man. man. No doubt. No question. And before you go, you know, I, I want to get your two cents because then I, I respect the hell out of you and your approach. And um, I'm not a parent yet, but I do coach. I do teach. I do do these different things. And I'm really big on teaching versus telling. And I think there's a very distinct difference between those two things. You can tell somebody how to live. You can tell them how to act. You can tell them how to talk. I think that's very transactional. I think when you teach somebody something that grabs their hearts, there's an art to that. Um, and that's kind of the main difference, generally speaking, between those two things. So for me, I, of course, I'm not perfect at it, but I very much try to be a teacher, not a teller when it comes to coaching or my relationships or whatever. Um, so from you as a parent with young kids going through these different things, when you think about that idea behind teaching versus telling, um, where does your mind kind of go? Is that an approach that you kind of thought about before? Like, how do you go about raising a child like of course you just want to say do this and they'll do it because but like they don't have any context they don't know why like so how do you go about navigating teaching them or telling them the right things but also making it their own and like like just how do you even go i know you could speak for an hour on this but like just generally how do you kind of attack that process yeah you know um it's kind of what we talked about earlier so there are unique situations with kids that where there's no blueprint for that are very difficult to navigate. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down, like you said, and I think teaching versus telling, if I'm not mistaken, was one of your, one of your first episodes that you it did. Was, yeah. um, and it's about connecting. It's about connecting mm -hmm. with them as a person. And it's not about discipline or spankings or forcible isolation. Another word for timeout. It's about <laughs> connecting with them as a human being giving them independence and the authority and autonomy to make 
every decision that they can possibly make. The only ones without guidance that you shouldn't be allowing them to make is ones that put them in physical harm's way, right? So something that's going to, you know, potentially do, do physical harm. So other than that, you know, you might be running behind and they want to put their shoes, just things that, that give them a chance to be them. And, and ultimately if you can connect with them and they're, they're, are they going to be jerks at times? Absolutely. No question. But if, if they're anything like I was when I was a kid, then I'm, I'm in for, for quite the battle. <laughs> so that, that's where, that's where I go. I say, how can I connect? Um, and it, it's, it's difficult in society now because my parents' generation, they're all very used to, you know, spankings and you have to direct your children. You're not supposed to be friends with your children. It's not about being friends. Treat them like you would treat a peer or, or a friend, like just mm-hmm. connect with them, ask them their opinion, incorporate them in decisions things of that nature. So uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of good books on it. Um, how to talk to you. So how to talk so your kids will listen and listen. So your kids will talk unconditional. There's so many good ones, but it's basic human interaction. Um, those books are good for even treating, you know, my wife, you know, it's about children, but it's about just having, um, a relationship really. Got it. And last question, I promise. Okay. Cause of course you got me going. So words are powerful, extremely powerful. I think actions are very much powerful as well. So when it comes to, again, it's just teaching or parenting or coaching in general. I think again, it's an art, but where would you kind of put your money? So like, let's just kind of think about like this on a sliding scale, telling them, teaching them with your words versus showing them. So like, do you put yourself in situations where maybe you're working out, all these different things and you can allow them to witness that or you're, you're loving on your wife and you know, you, you want them to witness that for like, cause I think it's one thing to preach something and be it. And maybe you are being that behind the scenes, but if they're able, they're never able to witness that and, and literally see you being what you are telling them to also be, I think it could still work out well. It's all good. But like, if you could find the perfect mesh point between teaching them with your words, but then also backing up with their actions and allowing them to see that stuff firsthand, like, is that something that you try to implement? Um, are you getting there? Like, how, how do you kind of approach that? Yeah, I, I, I we try to, you know, we try Got to, it. all the pillars of my life, you know, whether it's diet, nutrition, sleep, that I optimize for myself, I try to optimize for my kids. And unfortunately, things like, um, gosh, I can go on for forever about yeah. diet, but the standard American diet has made like, let's say bread, for example, bread's just like, ubiquitous right everyone eats bread but it's really it's just garbage unless you get the right kind of bread but these all the things that you hear me talk about are all the things that i try to expose them to i'm probably not good enough in the um you know showing them how i should treat carly my wife a little bit more affectionately but um yeah those things are absolutely are absolutely critical to to show them and i don't think I don't think it should change just because they're kids or you shelter them. Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. Yeah. And yeah. so the okay. biggest thing yeah. for me, the, one of the most challenging things for me is apologizing to my kids. When I, when I yell at them, when I, it's just seeing that, Oh, dad's human too. Like he makes mm. mistakes. It's okay for me to make mistakes. And I think a lot of people, including myself have this view, like we have to be strong for our kids and you know, I don't really think I need to apologize here because like, this is the way it should be. I don't think that I don't, I don't agree with that at all. So anytime that I'm raising my voice or I grab an arm hard or, or anything, I think it's critical that they see we apologize. And another thing too is, you know, every, from time to time we'll have arguments, my, my wife and I, and, and they're relatively cordial arguments, but it, Unfortunately, they can be in front of the kids sometimes. So it's important to talk with her about how we solve those problems in front of them. So they know, hey, here, here's, a, here's an issue. Here's the argument that happened. But look, at, they're also trying to solve it together too. And they're, and they're being you know, upfront and honest about it. So those are just a couple little examples. But yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, don't, I don't try to hide anything from my kids. I don't try to do the, oh, if you do that, the, you're going to break your leg. Like none of the stuff that's going to, yeah abuse trust or like create fear. I just don't, I just don't think it works long-term. It doesn't work long-term. The data shows that. God, that's so cool. I love that. I love that dude. Well, um, let, let, let's Uh, end it right there. Cause, uh, 
you know, I'm done on my soapbox now. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. I, I, hey, man, you get going, you can't stop. I, it's, it's like a, it's like an emotional high for, for, for sure. Yeah. Um, but dude, thank you so much. I appreciate that insight. I know everybody else listening or watching will as well. Um, and to everybody listening or watching, I texted Bill this morning and I was like, is it cool if we do this chat over video? He said, absolutely. There's more accountability. There's more responsibility. Um, and I very much believe in that stuff. And, 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 I, and I couldn't agree more. So I guess parting words for the weekend would be this is seek out FaceTime, seek out Zoom calls, seek out face-to-face -face interactions, even if it has to be 50 feet apart, whatever. Do that stuff. Um, I think we need more of that. And we might be physically distant, I guess, but we don't have to be socially or spiritually or emotionally distant. We can still hit these people up on these different platforms. And I think this week of phone calls and, and, and interviews and conversations has reaffirmed that for my life right now. So um, I would greatly encourage people to do that. And kind of with that, Blair, thank you for your time, man. As always, I can't say it enough. I appreciate your influence, the trajectory of my life and the decisions that I made long ago. Again, very much had something to do with the influence and me showing that route and it is possible as different things. So from the bottom of my heart, Thank you, dude. I appreciate you. I love you, man. And uh, all the best moving forward, dude. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'll, I'll keep tuning in and keep putting out that good content. All right, man? Absolutely, baby. And um, everyone else out there, y'all have a fantastic weekend. Um, seek a little love. Seek some challenge. Seek perspective. Seek it all. You can't get enough. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, we'll see you guys back here on Monday, okay? God bless you guys. Coach Coop. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and just listening to the podcast in general. It means the absolute world to me that you guys choose to take time out of your day and your busy lives to listen to me and the perspectives that I offer and the challenges that I give out and the conversations with the guests that I have on this show. And I very much hope it's bringing some sort of value into your life and you're finding benefit from these conversations and from these perspectives. And if you are one of those people, whether you've listened once or you've listened to all the episodes, um, I'm going to ask you right now, if you feel so compelled to leave a rating and to leave a review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you choose to listen to this show, um, I would very much appreciate that because that's how growth happens. That's how I can continue to learn and um, understand this thing from your guys' ears, not just my mouth, but make this thing more of a two-way street. And the more ratings and the more reviews we get, the bigger growth we can find and the more people we can reach with this thing as well. So um, again, if you feel so compelled, if you feel like this thing has brought value, I would very much appreciate that. Okay. Um, but with that, I'm going to leave you guys for the day. And as always, I really, really appreciate you guys and God bless. Coach Coop.